Welcome to the Elite Formula Physio and Training Podcast with me, Bradley Skeynes. And me, Matthew Murray-Downing. This podcast is all things Formula One and sports performance, fitness, health and injury. We will be discussing the physical and mental components of Formula One, the drivers and every circuit race by race as the season goes on, broken up with insight and knowledge in how to train, recover and rehab like an elite level athlete. And we'll even bring along some special guests for the ride. For more information, you can find us at Elite Formula PT on socials. And welcome back to the Elite Formula Physio and Training podcast. How are we, mate? Yeah, very good. Yeah, coming off the back of another race weekend. A few results all around. Yes, yes, another another great weekend for us. Uh, a bit jaded tonight, I must admit. The um, flight was a little uh, little delayed. The least extravagant or the, the, the worst part of, of the job that no one sees, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we need to a birthday as well, so... Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was it. So a few celebrations today as well, so not much to sleep. Yeah, thank you, mate. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, try to keep that, that under wraps. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I guess that's worth mentioning. We have a lot of um, performance coaches or physios or trainers or people that want to be kind of doing this role. And you see the good stuff on the gram and good stuff on, on Sky Sports and... But actually, uh, I was still sat in the airport at 4 a.m. this morning, not taking off till 5 a.m. this morning back from back from Saudi Arabia. And uh, yeah, that definitely impacts on on life and, and family time and, and, and yourself uh, as, as well. So the, um, yeah, I guess least extravagant part of it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's difficult, isn't it? I think it's always around. I think it's like the nice it's the job. I think the idea that you know, you're setting boundaries would be really difficult in a role, I don't know. There's no, there's no often choice in, in, in what you can plan do often. So often I'll just suck it up and, and, and it's out in certain scenarios. But yeah, difficult, but nicely back now, at least a few days of downtime, back to it. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of, uh, a couple of days at home with, uh, with my daughter and then, um, yeah, back out to Monaco and then Australia next week. But, um, but yeah, great result out in, the, in Saudi for us. Um, Red Bull is the team, another one, two. We're, uh, we're looking strong at the moment. Um, and and for us in particular, you know, qualifying P15 and, and working our way through the field after, you know, a, a tough couple of weeks with, with illness and, uh, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a hell of a job. Yeah, I guess that's the point we spoke about last week, I guess, in terms of, like, mindset, a, a difficult one in terms of trying to, you know, put that behind you, get the head straight for, for kind of the race wine and get so ahead of the game, really. Any tricks you kind of do in that scenario in terms of just putting that behind you, nothing hard to hard to do it this early on in the season. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's that kind of uh, it's done, move on. Um, so have your moment, have your your, your moment of frustration. Um, but as the next day comes round, you know we're we're in sport, we're in a uh, we're in a sport that that literally functions day to day. You know, you could have a bad Friday, but a good Saturday. You can have a good Saturday, but a bad Sunday. You can have a terrible Friday and Saturday, but a good Sunday. So every day is a new day. And it's, it's just making sure that, yes, of course, you've got to let it out and, and have your frustrations, but we come we come the next day with uh, with, with a clear mind and, and a new vision. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. I think it's, yeah. yeah. Every job to do with it differently as well. And I think you're right. From the outside, it always looks, you know, you can judge the job and going for the right to just age driver deals it differently in different scenarios. You're looking back to last year, I guess you have the opposite of the, yeah, not so actually sounded a bit of Bahrain, obviously qualified well, but the race went disastrously with both Red Bulls being out race one. And again, the idea, especially this early in the season, a lot of people got a lot of expectation as well. So good to keep on top of that consistency and, and make sure the drivers are kind of level headed about things that will go wrong inevitably this early in the season with car developments and changes and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of, um, uh, a good quote by uh, Tim Grover, who was um, Michael Jordan's and, uh, and Kobe Bryant's uh, trainer, performance coach, whatever you want to call it. And um, he talks about winning and winning. He, he questions that, you know, everyone talks about how it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, and actually he questions that and says, no, it's, it's everything's a sprint. And it's, it's just a sprint with no ending. Um, and and I think Formula One or, or motorsport actually alludes to that better than any other sport because actually every race weekend is a sprint to win that race weekend. 
within uh, <laughs> being a sprint to win uh, win yeah. the world championship. And uh, so yeah, yeah, it's a nice way to look at it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's interesting, especially you look at see Gobana getting caught from the politics of it, but we look at you know Saint Liverpool, the world championship win, Martin here, and, you know, the drama surrounding it from the four arms. Wait, yeah. Planet home is the idea that you know every point is essential. And you know, the politics just became maximum for a point at the end. Actually, you know, my last year, that's just one point. But actually, you know, two years ago, that point was you know still the deal much earlier. So yeah, I think it's you're absolutely right. It's a nice analogy that you yeah. I think when you're in that world as well, it, it starts to feel like the sprint. You know, I think more so than ever, it's that you know need as many points as you possibly can from all areas, even if it's a race you're not doing so well, just maximise the points that you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. It's um. You know, you can never question going for that extra point because, like I say, you only want to look at 2021. Lewis and Max, same points going into the last race. You know, that's that's unbelievable. And both of them, if they weren't winning the race, were picking off the the, the fastest laps of one another, or their teammates were nicking it off of uh, off of each other and, and and stuff. So yeah, every point's going to count. Um, and you know, at the moment, obviously, you know. We Red Bull are looking strong car-wise, and I'm sure people will catch up as, as the season goes. But if you've got two drivers in the same car and, and they're going to keep nicking wins off each other, then those points are going to be even more crucial. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. It didn't reflect on the weekend of F2 as well. I'm thinking about cars and events. We've got a few lot less races. So again, that idea of that split, you know, even more reason why actually, you know, you can't kind of have errors. I think what we can do is try and capitalize and make that errors, you know, as minimally effective as it possibly can be, you know, so you'd be stitching a point or a couple of points is better than, you know, either retiring or being, you know, blow the point section if you lose your health. Uh, so no, definitely something to consider. Every day's a sprint. I see it, mate. <laughs> and talking of sprinting, we're going to talk about running today. We are. Uh, so leads us nicely. <laughs> we're getting good at this podcasting stuff. <laughs> and I think the four weeks now to uh, London Marathon. Yeah, so yeah, that that is a marathon, not 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 a sprint. You definitely shouldn't sprint that. But um, but yeah, no, we haven't got a we haven't got a race weekend this weekend, so we can uh, we can park racing for for a week, and we can dive into some more more performance stuff, some more injury stuff, and yeah, I'm sure there's uh, a lot of people now getting ready and hitting their longest runs over the next the next two weeks before they taper down to London Marathon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's always interesting London Marathon. Um, obviously, we see an awful lot of clients that are doing various different marathons, some of their first, some of their 10, some of their hundreds. And it's always interesting to see the kind of different approaches and, and some of the issues. Some we see hundreds of and some of the more niche issues. But yeah, always interesting to see the different things that come every year around mm. this time. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get into race day and on, and a few tips and tricks on, on people actually coming in and participating in and actually Paris is in, in two weeks as well I'm sure many people are doing that which I would have been doing if uh, if Australia wasn't uh, wasn't on the horizon so we'll get into to race day itself but just going back to clinic work and when I used to work in clinic it would be this sort of time where you would have patients clients come in they would have little niggles or injuries and they would come in and they'll be okay can I still run the marathon? How are we looking on this? It's difficult, isn't it? I think you're right. I think it's a really difficult one. We'll see this, this, depending on there's lots of different factors and contributors here that as we make some work, we can kind of play a part in this. I guess if we take ourselves into that moment, you know, in terms of expectation four weeks ago, it's all a difficult job from our point of prioritizing. It's what they need to be doing in order to get them to the, to the start line. Whether that be we need to assess what they've done training wise, so we can kind of assess where they were perhaps pre kind of getting that injury. So is it a case of right? We need to kind of do with just the injury alone. Actually, after that day, we can kind of get them to the scot line, get a run done. One, I guess the second thing is to get to look at the severity of the injury. You know, I guess that classic thing is it a case of you know taking out the pieces, getting them together, and getting them again to the start line. Or is there a bit more of a risk of more serious injury where we have to kind of put the brakes on? They will, you know make that call earlier that this is probably not going to be the one. So I think having a good click clinical assessment, we can now at least set the expectations from that session. And I can think for an interesting one, thinking about you a few years ago, I guess, with your, uh, your stress fracture incident. Yeah, yeah. All that far out. It would probably be about this time. It was, it was 30 days, 30 days to, to, to the marathon. And, um, and yeah, I think that, that sums it up nicely. There's, there's two key points there. It's, 
first of all, do no harm. So, you know, uh, uh, from a physio point of view, from a medical point of view, that is our kind of motto, I guess, um, do, do no harm first. So if they can run, then, you know, we'll get them running, uh, you know, we're not going to stop anybody running, but if there is a clinical risk that, um, shin spins could propagate into uh into a full stress fracture, then you're going to have to have to sit this one out, unfortunately, and we'll get into shin sprints a little bit more. And then the, the, the second point is, yeah, you can, you can probably get this run done, but let's start setting realistic goals about what we're going to achieve in this marathon. And a lot of the time I'll, I'll sit down with people and I'll say, you know, we can get you around this marathon. I'll get you through this marathon, but you need to forget about times. You need to just concentrate on finishing this marathon and, and not being too sore afterwards. And, you know, that's where the, where the tape can come in and then we can strap you up and, and we can pull you through. We can change your running gait a little bit. We can set a pace that you can run to. Um, we can do some rehab in the, in the four weeks leading up to and, and make sure you're, you're as good as you can be. But forget about the time because that's, that's often the biggest stress around things. And, and actually when people forget about that, and they're coming off the back of an injury, they, they, they tend to just go out and enjoy it. And that's certainly what I did. Um, so when I ran Brighton Marathon in 2018, I think it was, um, you're quite right. I was, and, and we're diving into shin spins now. Um, I was uh, training for the marathon. I was playing basketball at the time as well. Uh, studying for my master's. So lots of stress, lack of sleep, lots of time on court, high load basketball, increasing my running uh, load as well. Um, so lots of stress through through the shins and um, started getting a little bit of shin spins. It got worse, um, ended up in a boot. Um, and then for, for 30 days, I was, uh, I think I was a boot for like seven days and then real intensive rehab program and then managed to get two, three, four runs in. Now, fortunately for me, I'd had, I'd done a 20 week build and I always recommend 20 week builds for beginners for marathons because you kind of 16 weeks tends to be the, the traditional, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. If you're new to marathons, an extra four weeks to lay some endurance foundations is good. So I'd already had a 16 week program. So I had the baseline fitness there. I knew I could get around the marathon, but I, I just forgot about times and I just ran to a tune and I went around well. I think I did like three hours and 35 maybe, um, which actually when I started 20 weeks ago, I was probably only aiming for under four anyway. So yeah. it was, uh, it was good. And I, you know, if I, if I'd reevaluated my time before, I probably would have got, tried to go for sub three thirty. Um, but I enjoyed it. It's probably the last bit yeah. I enjoyed, and I've definitely done three or four cents. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think just about that as well, I think one is, I guess, because I think we're perhaps sometimes, because we have that knowledge base that we're then redundant from getting yeah. injuries and problems. And I think that's one thing I think that highlights to me is that, you know, I see there's some brilliant online plans out there. We all know there's some fantastic, you know, frumbies out there. But I think it really highlights to us that, you know, it's never a one size fits all. You know, every individual has different stresses, different, you know, injury risks and things like that. And, you know, it's a real complex picture we have to assess when we look at someone in clinic and, you know, weighing up what their job looks like, weighing up what their sleep, sleep quality is like, nutrition, training volumes and what their PAPS history is as well in order to try and mix the works for, for that person. And often it doesn't always work and it goes a bit wrong and it's, it's how we bring that back together, which is the, the, the skillful bit, I guess, or the hard bit about that. Plan, but uh, you're absolutely right. I guess it all just comes back to expectations. You talk about your journey there, I guess, and your expectation shifted. You still really enjoyed your race and got something different from it. But in yeah. hindsight, it was, yeah, a good experience. You know, but was obviously nothing like what your plans supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you'll hear us talk about this a lot that expectation within injury, within performance is, is everything. If you can manage expectation then, uh, um, or meet expectation, then then, then you're on to a winner, but, um, but yeah, no, you touched on a nice point there. And, and I think, um, you know, and, and certainly the clients that we work with within the app, Elite Formula PT app, um, will, will allude to this is 
we we literally manage that week by week with people um and yes other plans you know you might get your 12 week plan a 16 week plan but we need to know what else is going on in in other people's lives and and, and when i had that shin splints injury i i couldn't figure out why because i knew my running plan was was spot on and actually what happened i, I basically did a table i went back six weeks so load can impact injury four to six weeks um, from before so something you did four to six weeks ago could be causing your injury now and a lot of people that kind of blows their mind a little bit but load builds up and accumulates as as time goes on so um some of tim gabbard stuff shows that four to six weeks is is the time that that what you increase back then could still affect you now so i did four to six weeks of what i had done track my sleep as well my sleep wasn't good but my sleep wasn't good for the kind of entire time so that, that definitely played a part but what i saw was a two-week period where we didn't have a basketball game so normally i'd have my running program load and i was doing like 60 60 kilometers 65 kilometers a week and that was etching up little by little but within the kind of 10 15 rule and i was playing basketball every week but what happened was when i played a game Games are 40 minutes long, which you'd play 20, 25 minutes as a, as a basketball player. When we would train, I'd play two hours of basketball, nonstop, constant. So we had two weeks of no games, two weeks of my highest running load. So rather than playing 25 minutes of basketball, I was playing two hours and two hours. And that was where my load increase came. I completely missed it. And it's not something you'd, you'd think about yeah. unless you're looking back with hindsight on on the injury and and i think that just you know everything counts and when you look at injury and running training you have you have your load and you have your capacity and your load is what you're doing and your capacity is the ability of the body and the mind to to tolerate that and if your load goes above your capacity that's where you go you injures you can cool. either reduce your load or you can increase your capacity. And and that was super interesting for me. Yeah. So you mentioned the 10 set rule. Injury gets some of the pathways in how in round bandwidth. So we use a lot in clinic is the idea of obviously trying to make sure people are progressing in a sensible rate and a number of it. I think a lot of people go on steel and we see a lot of plans that just uh, the one I also every year is that person who comes in and they're kind of half marathon distance and they use office to their round plan every week just doing this massive increase and then it's, you know, it's kind of blown up. In terms of managing and kind of documenting that approach, that obviously we use on the app and things like that around because run plans and increasing techniques that you've used, or stuff that you've found really useful, or things that you found that you don't like quite so much in terms of like load progressions or run plans that have work as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the key thing is tracking it and, and, and making sure that uh, you've got the metrics around there. There's a couple of ways you can do that. Um, one is just monitoring the time. Um, so the time that people are running for, making sure that's increasing. And we say 10 to 15%, that probably matters more as you're getting into the, the bigger distances. And when you're starting out, you can probably push to 20, 30% of, of increasing. There's a lot of stuff that says kind of beyond the 30% increase and your, your injury risk is going up quite a, quite a bit. So you won't want to increase any more than, any more than that. So you can look at it just by time. A useful way to look at it is also by RPE, so rate of perceived exertion times the time that you're doing it for, because that accounts for the effort put in as well. So that, that accounts for like your speed sessions and your interval sessions, which increases load even more, but it becomes a little bit more complicated and you know, the everyday runner isn't, isn't gonna, isn't gonna want to, to do that. So I think the key things are monitoring the time over the course of the week, making sure and you know, if you were just talking, if you're just monitoring loosely as a you know recreational runner, I'd probably just stick to that you know ten fifteen percent, making sure that doesn't increase too much week on week, and then just making sure you're monitoring like sleep and and other stresses in your life. And if you have a particularly stressful week, then back off a little bit. You don't need to go hell for never and do your interval session straight away, followed by by a long run. And then other little bits just to help. So certainly for our run programs, we uh, and a lot of our programming as well, we would build for three weeks and then have a have a down week, give the body a chance to recover, adapt, and then build again for another three weeks and have a have a down week. 
that seems to work very, very nice. Yeah, and I found the one thing I always find quite surprising every year is I think it's growing the, the kind of knowledge around talk about like capacity and we talk to patients about this is pretty well documented now in terms of risk of injury and, and reduced sleep volume. I think it's quite well documented now, but you know, perhaps less around stress and things like that. But also every year patients are quite surprised, clients are quite surprised to hear the effect it has and also I guess that ability to adapt your program around these things as well. You know, life will take turn balls, you know, you know, jobs are stressful at the minute. You know, things like crop up and actually being able to adapt your program accordingly can be really challenging, but also really key in a successful kind of build up to a marathon program. So I think it's always really interesting we talk about times that we would advise people to have programs for some of you are kind of generally always try and push past that 16 weeks just because life will throw a curveball. You know, you try and squeeze that 12 week out and it's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very rarely that perfect storm where we can cruise all the way through on that lovely plan. So I think it's always. When I try and really pushes around, you know, making sure we maximize our capacity and look at the picture much more holistically. I think it's better now with things like Woot and different devices that are really pushing people to focus on recovery a bit better, which haven't been available to the market. I can't think of many smartwatches now that don't give you a recovery measurement, yeah, yeah. you know, heart rate, things like that, that we can kind of use to track it. But yeah, I think it's definitely something I really try and focus on as well. Typically, uh, for people or perhaps. And doing so, they more experienced mountain runners that would try and push out big volumes. Yeah, yeah, and no, I definitely having those metrics is uh, is very good these days. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would always say you know, twelve week marathon build is for is for your advanced runners that have been running four, five, six times a week for from the last year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and they're ready just to slot into specific marathon marathon training, sixteen weeks. Probably if you're like an intermediate runner. But that means you're running regularly for throughout the year, and then probably twenty weeks for for a, for a beginner, if not more. You know, yeah. you're only going to benefit from more um, if you can have a six month build to to London Marathon. If you've never run before, then yeah, you can do a marathon. Anybody can do a marathon. Uh, the body can adapt and adjust, and you can build up to, to doing it. That's 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 one important thing to mention. But you just have to give yourself enough time and, and the right programming to, to get there, um, both from building the capacity to run a marathon and ensuring you don't get injured. So, yeah. So we mentioned shin splints, um, that is a common injury in, in runners. Um, shin splints is, uh, it's very much an umbrella term for, um, many different things that can be going on in the shin. Um, I think when we look at 35, 37 different explanations for what shin splints could be, it could be an inflammation of the line of the bone. It could be, um, a tendon problem with, with the, 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 the muscles and the tendons that attach in in and around the the shin. So basically it's, it's where the, um, the load applied to the bone exceeds the bone's ability to, to cope with, with that load and, and you get pain and whatever changes might be might be going on around there i think the important thing to mention with um shin splints for people is that shin splint sits on on a continuum so shin splints real name is medial tibial stress syndrome or mtss and basically on one end of the scale you've got shin splints where you've got some inflammation of the tissue or the line, line of the bone but on the other end of the scale you've got a stress fracture and if you push shin splints, you can end up having a stress fracture. Um, things to note there, pain at rest, pain at night, pain on walking. If you get to any of that and you're listening now, then get it checked out, please. And yeah, it can be painful. It can be challenging. Yeah. I think it's all really tough and true. I find uh, the other reason why it's tough is I think it's a really normalized problem in the running world. Yeah, it is. So I think some of the, the, the disasters when I've seen, again, crazy medicine now, so you're getting constant pain, particularly you get checked out, but I think you're right, because it's normalized and people go, ah, oh, you're a runner, you get shin pain, they feel quite comfortable pushing through, like it's that familiar friend of, you know, it's an injury you should get. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it's always one I find that gets pushed up a bit too far because people are quite familiar. So often you clinic, it's that kind of gentle, reminder that you're right the, the far end of this continuum in the fracture yeah um, so i think yeah it, it's really just why it's a common one can be really easily treated i say in exclamation marks but only if we can get it early and you know set the parameters yeah so true um and, and i think it's true because 
because shin splints is one of these things, medial tibial stress syndrome is one of those things that it just sits there. So most runners will have an aspect of it because it's all about loading capacity. And if you're, if you're running a lot and you're constantly, you know, pounding the ground as it were, you're going to get a bit of soreness, a bit of inflammation around that area. That's, that's only natural. But if your body, your shin, your lower limb is strong enough to cope with that, then it's never going to be a problem. You, know, you might go and do a three hour long run and it's a bit sore afterwards, but it goes quickly and you can do your hour run and it's fine. It's that point where it goes beyond the capacity to tolerate the load that it becomes sore. And then as you're quite right, like, you know, people have shin splints and then they just keep pushing. And, and unfortunately that, that load will keep going up and with pain, you know, pain inhibits muscles. So you're then always reducing your capacity and, and, and it will, it will continue to, to progress and get sore. I think for a the commission, we are this way, not so much for our runners that are doing miles in four weeks of for our runners listening in general is that, you know, it's been a bit of a generalization if they enjoy to run and therefore getting them in the gym can be a hard sell from but actually one of you know, well documented now around the idea of actually you know, weight training and stuff and building capacity of bone and yeah. um, you know we can make changes there so you can do more and that's what i really try to get runners into the gym get them lifting some heavy weight get mm-hmm. them adaptions there so they can you know, push their load a little bit more is super valuable yeah absolutely um strength training Twice a week is the ideal, um, but you know, you can, you can also get away once a week if you're strength training heavy enough. Um, but yeah, it, it reduces risk of injury, it reduces risk of, of overuse injuries by 50%. And most of the running injuries are, are overuse injuries. Um, and it can reduce, you know, traumatic injuries by, by maybe a third as well. So, um, super important. Uh, and, and I think also, you know, it's worth mentioning, it makes it quicker. It does make it quicker. Um, it improves your running economy. So you, you can run the same pace for less effort. So you can go for longer. You're not going to fatigue in the, there's a, a good study that shows you that fatigue in the last uh, few kilometers of a, of a 10K race. Um, and it improves your pace um, across some of the studies showed across over, over 5K. So if you're struggling to get a runner to buy into strength training, Tell them that, and I'm sure they'll be in the gym. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's, yeah, let's reiterate that point, isn't it, around you know, training smart again, you know, you know, trying to maximize benefits where we can, as to countless lingering of the 10 hour, actually, with have seen performance gain by taking a run out and, and getting some more gym work in, or, yeah. or looking to kind of you know, make most of a short period of time to get more kind of performance gains from that person. Yeah. Uh, so it's always good just sometimes take a step back, look at a plan, and just, yeah evaluate what we're getting from it yeah definitely um cool so if we have shin spints what can we do yeah so main thing really if we go back to our load and loading capacity main thing should be first is we need to we need to get a reduction in those symptoms so reducing load so that may be cutting down some running uh into distance or capacity intensity so we may look to run a treadmill or, or change up kind of the, the, the impact we're getting uh, we can look at footwear, so we can look at the type of footwear that we're using in terms of absorbing some of that load through the, the tibia, we've got a little more cushioning there. Um, again, we can, we can change that a little bit. Um, we have some acute strategies to kind of manage inflammation, use of inflammatories, find some techniques, things like that, and the jury's out on, on some of the techniques. But again, just try and settle those symptoms acutely as much as we can. And again, start to get less and less effective things like some soft tissue work and things like that again could be really effective in in kind of reducing some of those initial kind of acute symptoms down um but from that if we then kind of manage to settle those symptoms down a little bit we may be looking then to try and increase the capacity a little bit so maybe we start with some, some sort of more localized strength work around some of the more stabilizing muscle around the foot and ankle um looking at calf strength in particular um i always try and break down with any rider we look at the kind of whole lower limb so calves, quads, glutes, really make sure that kind of whole lower chain is it, it, kind of uh, well personal strength work. Um, really get excited about capacity already. So kind of my go-to tips for age very much is manage those acute symptoms by, by dropping the load down a bit, trying some acute 
treatments to see if we can settle their pain quickly and then look to see if we can then reload it with a little bit more um a little bit more uh, intelligence around all my training wise to see if that can get you know back to where it needs to be yeah absolutely and i think as much as we keep people running and shin splinters run those you do just have to be a little bit careful of because of the risk of that propagation into in, into a full fracture um uh, so you might have to take a little a little bit of time um away from running reduce that that risk down focus on some strength work and then slowly build back in um yes you can use you know soft tissue work taping uh, all those bits to, to try and get rid of some pain but essentially you've got to rebuild up the, the capacity in, in in that in that shin and in that lower limb um and that comes from strength training as you said particularly around the calf um but also when you're moving into more okay you're starting to think about running again we need to get some some dynamic load through there as well some biometric load as well so you know we're talking um some double leg jumps some single leg hops um change of direction work's been shown to be very effective for um, shin splints making sure you can absorb that load uh push back off um, and before we can even start running again you know yeah. we've got to be able to hop jump do all those bits in all different directions before we can think about placing up those running shoes again. For the book, people miss actually agree with Claude Raise that. So I was going to see about clients that are trying to explain some of the, you know, the idea that particularly the more severe cases, we have to completely stop running and we're kind of really got strength work. The idea that you go from, you know, let's say doing some very, very short walks and running is a huge jump. You look at how low they need to sustain through the foot and ankle through, you know, through running. Yeah, that plyometrics, that lovely middle ground, and we'll say trying to expose that load again to kind of some similar load, but in a much reduced volume and dosage, mm. just to get that acceptance then progressing up the road. But it's often mids, you often see, as we see a lot of people come in, they rest, symptoms a little bit better, they go straight back into the running, and you see this kind of boom bust scenario. So, yeah, on that kind of middle ground, I'd say, really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's definitely worth mentioning for runners, you know, it's a, a vicious cycle of injury, rest back to running injury again because you just haven't bridged that rehab gap you haven't done your strength work you haven't done your jumps you haven't done your hops you haven't done your return to running program where you run for three minutes you run for six minutes you run for nine minutes and you slowly build back up and that can be over a couple of weeks it can be over a couple of days you know i build back up to a marathon in 30 days so it can be done quickly with the right programming or you can take a little bit longer depending on how the symptoms respond at, at each point of the the progression but rest isn't gonna isn't gonna uh, gonna heal you or, or get you back to to running the likelihood is you're only gonna get weaker during that rest period because you've you've got painful tissue which you're then not doing anything with and then you're going back on tissue that is essentially weaker whether that be muscle tendon bone joint um and it's going to have less capacity to then tolerate um, and uh, you're running you know you often find actually you pick up other injuries in other areas because you just haven't been moving or training in the, in the same way as, as as you might do um so yeah it's um and again important to look at the the whole lower limb as you said um um, so I guess that kind of brings us nicely onto other common injuries in, in runners. We talked about shin splints there. I think if we stick to that kind of lower, lower limb, Achilles tendon is probably another, yeah, another common one there. Yeah, probably probably one of the top three that we would see would be an Achilles kind of tendon off the feet. we could argue we see kind of two ends of the spectrum, the kind of more perhaps degenerative tendon versus kind of like more acute tendon as well. Um, but yeah, again, very much that idea that we can overload that tissue. Um, it can be, a, again, another one people are quite comfortable with. I generally find this is one people are a little bit quick to time see us for, just could generally put to stop to their running. Um, so we generally see these quite quickly, which is always good for us to getting that plan in place. Um, I think as well, it's less normalized, isn't it? People worry a little bit more about the Achilles and, and you know, because you hear about Achilles tendons snap in and you know very rare in runners that this ever ever happens it's more than the explosive sports but people see that in sport and, and, and have that fear around it yeah absolutely and you're absolutely right i think it's less normalized than how that mm. should be a friendly name but it's kind of you know it's you're right i think it's the, the, the general 
feeding off that the problems figure that shit out can limit the coming and stop you running where solutions bits up much more on the you know on the slide back off a little bit reload it you'd be fine sort of thing so definitely more we see lots of um again lots we can do about it cumuling uh generally on rare worlds shockwave icing load management there's lots of stuff we can do acutely and then again goes back to the other time push that capacity oh, yeah high strength isometrics really great way of reducing pain but also trying to build the capacity in that process while we're reducing some running down so yeah it can be a great technique for someone having some acute symptoms yeah so just a touch from that for those that don't know what isometrics are so it's uh it's heavy um weighted exercise but it's a it's a static exercise so your your joints aren't going for a range of motion it is uh uh still static strengthening exercise um great for using in early stages of tendon injuries um or great for using in tendon injuries that you're managing and you're still competing i.e if you're playing football and um, you've got a game Tuesday, game Saturday, game Tuesday, game Saturday, and, and you're trying to load up a tendon for rehab, but you don't want to stress it so much that you're going through range of motion stuff. So isometrics can can help uh, help a lot there. But yeah, rehab follows a, a very similar similar pattern, doesn't it? You know, we've got to um, uh, reduce the load a little bit, um, and then build that individual back up with with strength training and the calf complex is very very key in Achilles. So straight leg calf raises, bent leg calf raises, then getting into some jumps and some hops, um, multi-directional stuff there as well. Um, really, really important before we can, before we can go back to, to running. Um, touching on tendons in particular. So, um, a lot of tendons, um, also have a compressive component to it as well. So uh, other common running injuries might be um, the patella tendon, uh, so in front of the knee or the, the gluteal tendons on the side of the, the hip. Um, and, and these are the ones that can be both uh, load affected, but also compression affected as well. And what I mean by that is um, the tendon is, is squashed between other structures and in the body. And often what people will go to is they'll try and stretch these areas out. And it's not necessarily a bad thing if, if it's not painful, it's fine. But if you find when you stretch and it's creating pain and you, know, you believe it to be a tendon issue, then actually that needs to be avoided because you're only going to make that more sore. Yeah, it's interesting what you read for those systems that have perhaps been experienced because I had one last week that didn't on the internet, had some Achilles pain to start there already. We've come up with some really sensible stuff there, reduce their running down, but seemingly pain was increasing that going to the looked up heel drops. Um, coming to clinic, had a look at it, it's much more of a weakness and insertion with Achilles tendon off these, so therefore the, the pain is much more of the bottom of the Achilles, where insert from the heel, and anatomically that's where that sits, there's a much more compressive element. For that individual, that bit simpler as cutting out the heel drop, you still gain a calf complex exercise and he'll raise a lot of load on it, but we reduce that drop uh, into kind of negative range. And actually the symptoms settle really, really quickly. And it's interesting to tell a lot of people, you know, we'll talk about the idea of stretching and it's probably one that we'll see that we're probably a little bit more pushing on is actually, generally speaking, the painful tendon. Um, also, especially the acute ones, actually stretching can be quite irritable, mm. uh, not that beneficial from a rehab perspective. Often again, tightness isn't generally the issue. Often it's tightness is often a response to the fact that you're in pain more often than not. So if we can get that load on it, the flexibility will often return. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, definitely a, a good tip there for anybody suffering with tendon pain. Um, probably don't waste your time stretching. I mean, yeah. stretching at the end of the day is just low level load. It's a low level strength exercise, I guess. Um, but if you if you've got a compressive component to the the tendon, then you're just going to wind up that tendon over the bone and and, and cause yourself more pain. Um, so you better better focusing on your on your strengthening and getting more bang for your buck, as uh, as I like to say. Um, cool. So let's wrap up with one more injury before we move into some race day tips and and have to look at things from from that point of view. And I, I guess we should go to the knee. That's probably one of the most common areas where we see some uh, running running pain. Yeah, absolutely. So similarly, uh, I guess the shin foots, we often kind of catch to our as an anterior knee pain. We would see a lot in running. 
again, another umbrella term that covers a whole host of different knee problems potentially affecting the, the, the kind of kneecap area. Um, again, if you're ever in down Austin, you know, a session with a physio, you know, it's a great opportunity to kind of at least get a bit clearer about which probably may be any contributing factors. Uh, more often than not, they're beginning to come back to that same equation, keep bringing up just that little mode of capacity, something has become irritable during running. Again, it could be related to a strength deficit, it could be related to something a little bit more biomechanical around the kneecap. The kneecap and something quite an interesting fulcrum between the high pulse of muscle onto the front of the shin. Um, so again, it plays a big role in the way that we that we run. So being aware of how it works anatomically can feed into that irritability. Our role against to figure out what it is that we need to change in order to kind of get that back on track. So that's reducing our load down and playing around with other cats for where um, rug gate is a good one to touch on here. I find generally quite successful with my answer. Really, pain is looking a little bit at run technique. Something perhaps a lot of runners, if you're not running for a long time, have ever had looked out or done much about. Yeah, for sure. And I think you can get some good bang for your buck with uh, with changing running gait and knee pain. You know, just shortening that stride can take some of the load off the off the knee, um, reducing some of the uh, crossover, so hip adduction, so where the, the the kind of foot lands across the other foot almost, and, and try to keep them on that kind of train tracks as well can reduce some of the load for the knee. So some really quick, easy wins, increasing step rate and and kind of running on a on a straight line can can take some of the load off of that um off of that knee but um but yeah i think you make a good point it's um particularly with the knee it's such an umbrella term there's so many different things that could be causing pain around that knee but actually it's just related to load and capacity or and and what is causing that increased load or that reduced capacity so you just have to look at what what things you can change so that might be the change in load that might be you know reduced quadricep function reduced glute function that might be some altered movement control on single leg stand that could be reduced flexibility in the quads or the hamstrings or the calf so yeah just making sure that there's a, there's a good full assessment on on that yeah, I said, I think it's a big topic in the anterior anterior knee pain and again expectation we thought a little bit earlier in the call about you know, again I, mean, I find these patients a really big area to kind of set straight from the beginning it's, I guess finding a little bit more about their history around knee pain whether it's something that's new to them or not but you know we know that too you know, we really took you up the tree and tell them duration of symptoms can be one that you know uh, can take you a little bit of time to settle so you know getting that back set from the outset understanding what structure is that is irritable and then also setting the expectation about what that recovery process might look like is really, really key. Yeah, for sure. And strength and strength and strength and quads are king. Absolutely, uh, man. Uh, yeah, if you can get them strong again, then uh, then Paul will be fine. Good. So we got them better. They are now injury free. They're heading down to race day. It's London Marathon Day. And what can go wrong? Yeah, so obviously you've done all the preps. I think having a little bit of confidence and faith in yourself there. So I think the biggest thing I can see that, that, that people get wrong, leading up to race there, they try and shape something. So the, the classics we generally get feeding up into this period is, you know, a lot of talk happens. It might be your first, like fifth marathon. There's a lot of pair of notes. <clears throat> I wasn't like being back at school and they're comparing exam papers afterwards. You know, everyone's done something a little bit different. And therefore you think you've kind of got to do some different. So, be that you know some of the, the you know, nutrition white bear using gels or they're eating that and they may be completely plausible good strategies however changing things at the last minute can often be to disaster so great one recently like you know someone's using a different way of fueling over, over the course of a marathon it then leads to you know stomach cramps or you know vomiting diet whatever it might be it has a huge impact on your race so that's probably the biggest obviously that you know the change don't do something wrong yeah and i've done that okay. yeah my first marathon i did exactly that um i hadn't trained with gels and i don't know i got to like 20 miles or something and i i really needed a boost so i took a took a gel and had stomach cramps for like three four miles it was uh it was horrible um and uh yeah you know i sound like i don't know what i'm talking about I got shin splits and I got stomach cramps, but actually, you know, I'm five, six marathons deep and, and you really do learn by, 
by experience and doing, and I think that's why I love working with marathon runners or runners in general, half marathon, whatever, because these little tips that don't seem much can have a huge impact on, on race day and, and really help somebody to, to achieve what they, what they want to do. So yeah, no, it's, um, it's good fun, but yeah, don't, don't change anything. So nutrition, don't change, make sure you've practiced your long runs with your nutrition strategy, um, kit, don't change your kit, make sure you've practiced with your long runs with the kit that you're going to, going to wear. Um, I think they're probably the two, yeah. the two big ones. Yeah. The other one that jumped in my head as well, thinking about particularly those runners that are perhaps on the is the is the pacing and setting a plan. And I think you know we've all heard it. She done it in runs. Is that you know the, the, the horn goes and, and that's it. You set off at a lightning place. Everyone's flying and you know now still it's run thing. You've got nothing left in the tank. Um, so I think again, sticking to a pacing strategy, trying to ignore that first, you know, couple of cab, the ability to ignore the pace in the run out, so it gives your own rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the single most important thing to, to get around a marathon. There's a, there's a great quote that a marathon doesn't start to 20 miles, so make sure you get there. And, um, and, and it couldn't be more true. Um, and actually, so when I set, um, a pacing structure with with my clients to to run a, a marathon or a half marathon uh for the first so we'll take a marathon so for the first 5k we'll run slower than than the pacing so i know say we're targeting five minute 30 per kilometer our first 5k will be 540s 545s and we'll set that in we'll lock that in and we'll say that is what you're doing for the first 5k because then it makes people more aware to go slower because you 100% get caught up in the moment and you just expend energy by dodging people, by trying to get around people. You run the risk of tripping over or, you know, just expending more energy and using up all those carbs that you've been preloading by running around people where actually you want to you save them for the back end. Um, you also lose a lot more time. So if you, if you hit that proverbial wall, and it does exist. It really does. <laughs> and um, it, you just, you lose so much time. So if, yes, and people worry about the time. If, oh, if I'm starting at 540, but I'm supposed to be running 530, then I'm losing 10 seconds per kilometer. So I'm 50 seconds down. I tell you, if you hit the wall, you won't be running 540s, you'll be running 640s. It's that much time that you that you lose. So if you're in control, it's, it's much better. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I think I think pretty much covers all the most common ones I see in terms of nutrition, probably peace and strategies going wrong. Uh, yeah, I guess things to add on the, the nutrition. So um, you should be sipping water every 5K. Um, so most good marathons will have water stations every three miles, every five kilometers. Um, the, the common question about, you know, when you should take gels and stuff, traditionally, historically, people say, you should take a gel every 10K um, or every hour, whatever comes first. So yeah. every 10K or every 60 minutes, whatever comes first. It comes from your practice in your, in your long runs. Um, for me, I take my first gel after about eight, nine K because that's when I feel like I need it. You, you want to be taking the gels before you feel that you need it. Um, you want to. So if you feel that you need it around 9K, then you, you want to be taking it around eight, eight and a half. So you're not getting that dip or that drop in performance from just needing that little bit of energy or a little bit of extra nutrition. So you're probably looking at carrying maybe four or five gels with you on a, on a marathon. Um, I normally carry five, four to kind of cover my, my strategy of every eight to nine kilometers and then one in, in reserve, which, you know, on a couple of marathons, I've taken it with about 5k to go just to try and give me that bit of boost at the end. Uh, I remember on my last marathon, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach anything else. Um, I was, I think I'd had four and the fifth one just wasn't going down. So I just had to battle through. Um, but yeah, that's, that tends to be the, the advice on, on race day. So yeah, nutrition, clothing, pacing, and just make sure you plan your, your way there and yeah, <laughs> don't, don't yeah. be legging it. Legging it to the start line and, and late and using your energy, uh, energy for that as well. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, especially love it of all one. It's gonna be a busy one, lots of spectators. So you're yeah. right, yeah, get that wrong, and um, yeah, 
drink straps as well at the minute, and you get that wrong with you, and uh, yeah, you just unnecessary stress for um, sure. You don't need. No, nah, that's good. And, uh, and remember the Vaseline. That's uh, another tip on the club. <laughs> don't want to uh, don't want to be getting sore just from from that. But yeah, there's people massive tubs on the on the side in London Angeway. And I, I think you know the, the the final thing to say, and, and, and a great way to to wrap up the pod is 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 to go out and enjoy it, and don't stress too much about that. You're doing a marathon, you. It's a hell of an achievement just uh, just to get to the start line, let alone get to the get to the finish line. So uh, enjoy it and uh, and take it all in. Yeah, absolutely. It's just saying, you know, not a hard work's coming in clips. That's just taking a step back and up and up, you know, soaking in the moment a little bit as well. So no, you're absolutely right. I think it's enjoying it. Put a good plan in place. And I also think that's the best thing you can do, you know, invest in it. Plan, you'll feel more confident, you'll feel more comfortable. I think you know, in turn, you'll you know, you deliver a result that you're proud of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you are listening and you need a marathon or half marathon plan or running program, then get in touch. You can get in touch with us uh, on the socials at Elite Formula PT or you can head to the website www.eliteformulapt.com. Um, we've got running programs. We are obviously physios by trade that have run. So if you're struggling with injury, then uh, do get in touch and we will help you get to the, get to that start line and ultimately that finish line as well. So thank you for listening. Uh, do like, do subscribe. It all helps. And we will see you on the next episode where we are heading down under. Indeed. We'll see you next pod. Cheers, bro. Cheers, bro. You have been listening to the Elite Formula PT podcast with Bradley Skeynes and Matthew Murray Downing. You can follow us on socials at Elite Formula PT or sign up on the app at EliteFormulaPT.com. Please follow, subscribe, and if you enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Be sure to tune in for the next episode and thank you for listening.